Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Doctrine and Covenants podcast. Today's discussion is going to be section 74. I'm going to read the heading first. Revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet at Wayne County, New York in 1830. Even before the organization of the church, questions had arisen about the proper mode of baptism, leading the prophet to seek answers on the subject. Joseph Smith's history states that this revelation is an explanation of 1 Corinthians 7.14, a scripture that had often been used to justify infant baptism. So verse 1, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. This notion, which represents a false tradition among the Jews, is currently used by many Christian commentators as a justification for infant baptism. If Paul, who made it plain that he was speaking by way of personal opinion and not by way of revelation, was intimating that a child would be unclean and thus unholy if not born to at least one Christian parent, he was clearly in error. That was by Joseph Ely McConkie. It will be helpful in the King James Bible, uh, this quote that I just read is uh, an exact quotation of 1 Corinthians 7.14. It will be helpful to to remember that the setting of this passage in 1 Corinthians is a discussion of part member families and of the circumstances that would justify the saints in dissolving marriages to non-members. Paul's advice, which remains church policy today, was that such marriages should be continued if the non-member would tolerate his or her spouse's activity in the church. A second condition for preserving a part-member marriage implicit in the King James Version text and clarified by Doctrine and Covenants section 74 is that the children of such unions should be reared in the church as Christians and not in the synagogues as Jews or today by extension in non-Latter-day Saint churches. Sanctification, or being made sinless and holy in the fullest sense, comes only through the atonement of Christ. Jews of Paul's day, however, tended to divide the world into two into things unclean or clean, sacred or profane, holy or unholy. They often use these terms in ways that come close to modern distinctions between allowed and not allowed, proper and improper, or tainted and untainted. Therefore, the sense of the term sanctified, unclean, and holy in 1 Corinthians 7.14 and in Doctrine and Covenants 74.1 is that where a non-member spouse allows his or her partner to be active in the church and agrees that the children will be raised in the church, then there is no unholiness or impropriety in continuing such a marriage. Nor is there any taint to the children that may come from it. Such a union constitutes holy or acceptable matrimony before God, even though it is an arrangement for time only. There is no unholiness attached to faithful committed marriages performed outside the temple. They may in truth be a lesser good, but they are definitely not an evil. The only thing wrong with such marriages for time is their imp- impermanence and the acceptance of their impermanence with the consequent loss of blessings by the partners. Verse 2, Now in the days of the apostles, the law of circumcision was had among all the Jews who believed not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it came to pass that there arose a great contention among the people concerning the law of circumcision, for the unbelieving husband was desirous that his children should be circumcised and become subject to the law of Moses, which law was fulfilled. 
And it came to pass that the children, being brought up in subjection to the law of Moses, gave heed to the traditions of their fathers, and believed not the gospel of Christ, wherein they became unholy. Wherefore, for this cause, the apostle wrote unto the church, giving them, giving unto them a commandment, not of the Lord, but of himself, that a believer should not be united to an unbeliever, except the law of Moses should be done away among them. Here, Joseph Smith seeks and receives understanding relative to an expression of the Apostle Paul that is, at best, difficult for the modern reader to understand. The greater issue Paul was addressing is whether a man or woman who is married to a non-Christian should remain in that marriage. Paul taught that the Christian partner should not, in such a case, take the initiative in seeking a divorce. If, on the other hand, the unbelieving partner desired to separate, the Christian, Paul felt, was not bound to remain in that union. At this point, another question was raised relative to the status of children born of these mixed marriages. On this matter, Paul made a statement that suggests that children born outside the faith are both unclean and unholy. His doing so may reflect his own Jewish background. The Jews considered a child as born out of, out of holiness, whose parents were not proselytes at the time of the birth, though afterwards they became proselytes. On the other hand, they considered the children of heathen Heathens, born in holiness, provided their parents became proselytes before the birth. <clears throat> all the children of the heathens were reported unclean by the Jews, and all their own children holy. Paul's statement would naturally perplex the prophet because he had already been taught that all little children are whole in Christ, they being incapable of committing sin. And that was by uh, Joseph Ely McConkie. If this refers to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7.14, then the present New Testament text has become corrupted, for there is no mention there now of the concerns discussed in Doctrine and Covenants sections, or section 74, verses 5 to 6. It is possible that Paul wrote about these things in his earlier lost letter to the Corinthians, and this phrase merely refers to those prior instructions. Thus, by revelation to Joseph Smith, this knowledge was restored. Verse 6, that their children might remain without circumcision, and that the tradition might be done away, which saith that little children are unholy, for it, has, for it was had among the Jews. But little children are holy, being sanctified through the atonement of Jesus Christ, and this is what the scriptures mean. Because all little children are clean, pure, and holy, because they have been sanctified by the blood of Christ, if they were to die as children, that is, in this state of holiness, they have the sure promise of the Lord that they are rightful heirs of every blessing that heaven has to bestow. And that was by Joseph Hila McConkie. I bear testimony that these things are true. Uh, little children that uh, die before they reach the age of accountability will automatically be in the celestial kingdom uh, and that they will be exalted in the celestial kingdom. Um, so they will have to... They don't need to be baptized nor have their endowment, but they will need to uh, be married, uh, sealed in the temple, and, and sealed to their parents. I bear testimony of the truth of these things and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Talk to you later. Bye.